Imagine, a podcast series by Imagine Theatre. Hello again, I'm Martin Ballard and welcome to episode 48 of this podcast series, which looks at all aspects of pantomime and, of course, the work of Imagine Theatre. For more information, go to their website at www.imaginetheatre.co.uk. Now, if you missed any of the previous episodes, as always, you can still listen to them. We've had some fabulous guests so far, so check them out. From Imagine Theatre headquarters team members to performers, backstage teams at the various Imagine shows and many more. We've talked about how pantomime is produced, its history and its future. And there are many more episodes to come from one of the UK's biggest producers of pantomime and children's theatre. Now, in the last episode, I was joined by Imagine Managing Director Steve Bowden and Artistic Director Eric Potts for the first of an occasional series looking at the most popular pantomime titles. And we discussed, of course, Cinderella. Well, this time we're catching up with the team at Imagine as the new financial year brings a new focus. And with me once again is Managing Director Steve Bowden, as well as Business and Marketing Director Sarah Bowden. How are you both, first of all? Great to see you again. Hi, Martin. Welcome back. We are here at the end of another financial year, and we'll talk about that in a moment, because you're looking a bit stressed, if you know what I'm saying, Sarah. (laughs) It's that time of year, Martin. There's accounts everywhere. (laughs) But let's start by talking about a major success for everybody involved with Imagine Theatre, Steve, because you picked up no less than 12 nominations for the UK Pantomime Association Awards. It's just a superb endorsement of the work that everybody involved in pantomime production puts in across Christmases every year. We always say that an award is a great recognition of a particular person or a particular production, but there are hundreds and hundreds of people who are there working on that show tirelessly throughout the year, from ushers in venues to the creators who are working here, piecing the jigsaw together. And it's really important that everybody feels that they are being celebrated by the by these nominations and yeah a fantastic slate of nominations for a great range of productions we're we're really thrilled with them across the board in terms of areas from all the technical aspects to individual performers Sarah but also across the UK yeah that's what's lovely about it is that we put on all these shows across the whole country and as Steve said there's hundreds almost thousands of people involved in them and yes there are a few um, nominations for various venues but it's every single venue which makes a difference and goes into all of this. And we produce all over the country. And that's what's lovely, is it's an endorsement of Panto. No matter where you are, no matter which Panto you go to, this is a chance to celebrate. And it's a pat on the back for everybody. I mean, nobody does this to win awards, do they? But it's really uplifting, isn't it, as you come to the end of the financial year, for all those people to look back and think, yeah, it was great, we did a great job. It's easy to forget just what we did achieve. Opening 21 productions at the same time and running them simultaneously takes an enormous team of people doing every single job you can possibly imagine. And it's easy to forget to say, well done. And that's what this does. It just says to everyone, you did a great job. You really pulled it out of the bag. Circumstances this year, as we've touched upon in the previous podcast when we talked about the 2022 Panto season, it wasn't like 21. 21 was the Panto season that none of us want to relive. 2022's Panto season was hard, still governed by some of the COVID rules, still dealing with a lot of illness. But it's really nice. Everybody said, you did 
really, really well. Congratulations. So for us, that's what we take out of this. As you were the director at Reading, it's especially rewarding for you, Steve, because I think Reading picked up three nominations. It did, and it's great that categories are, are coming along and that, that, that it's celebrating all the areas of pantomime production. So we've, you know, we've got early career newcomers. It's really important that people who are just starting their career get the chance to be nominated for their performances in pantomime, which is obviously a great British institution and constantly evolving. But also, you know, sound design was recognised, a really important part of panto, particularly in today's climate where where audiences like clarity of sound, like energy and like to, you know, feel that the sound is immersing them in the performance. So I'm thrilled. And I think what's great about the Pantomime Awards now is that they are there to celebrate the art form and great publicity comes from that that pushes the art form forward and allows people to celebrate its importance and the significance that it plays in the arts of this country. There are one or two individuals in there as well. We talked about uh, the Reading shows, but Best Dame nominated J.P. McHugh just down the road at the Royal Spa Centre in Leamington. And also another person we've spoken to on the podcast, the Best Newcomer to Panto, a nomination for Vernon Kay. He must be absolutely delighted. He's won numerous awards. But this one's really special because this was his very first Panto. It is really lovely for Vernon, and I know he put some lovely things out on his social media saying that he was thrilled. Um, That's what's great, as Steve said, about these awards is the breadth and the depth that's recognised. There's lots of categories that we didn't get nominated in, that other fantastic productions did get nominated in. There's acting nominations and scripting and directing, so many categories, because pantomime is a big team. People will look at those on stage and applaud those on stage, but maybe not quite appreciate the number of people that work behind the scenes on any one production. The people on the stage are just a drop in the ocean of the number of people it really takes to put the show on. And that's what we love about the awards is that it recognises everyone and champions every role and the importance of every role. I don't know about you, but I'm slightly disappointed that Steve didn't get nominated for the Best Magical Creature. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, fair play. Maybe at home, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) So here we are, we're approaching the end of the financial year. Does that mean the debriefs are all over now, Steve, from last Christmas? Pretty much. We've had a very comprehensive three months of going through each show, obviously talking to the creatives, talking to venue management, listening to the uh, thoughts and opinions that they bring and using those to shape the direction of travel for this year. And we also have to spend a lot of time reconciling the actual finances of each production. So Sarah and the team have spent an awful lot of time bringing all that together. You know, there are reams and reams of accounts that have to be sifted through so that we get a very clear picture on what we spent, what the show's brought in. And like any business how we can improve the outcome and improve the quality of the production on stage. So, yeah, this has been a really, really productive and very, very uh, business, the kind of business side of show period for us to work through. And now, you know, we start the draft for the next season, which has been going on for six months already, but now it's quantified by Sarah's briefings on finance. So it's almost like a a second deadline. We talked last season, didn't we, about the build-up to the start of the opening of the shows being a bit tight and, you know, deadlines had to be met all all the way along that line. But, you know, coming to the end of the financial year, a lot of late nights, I'd imagine, and um, that means other deadlines financially. Well, it does because we're in this fine balance at this point in the year, as Steve said, where we're reconciling everything against the 2022 season. And I've only just signed off the final settlements from a couple of venues. In fact, it was last week that we signed off the three final balancing payments on the final settlement. So it's taken till the middle of March to get the settlement information in completely. We then also have to get everything onto the Sage account system. And there's 
tens of thousands of transactions per year. We're going to turn over more than £5 million net this year. And each one of those salary payments or invoice payments accumulates together to make the, the accounts balance. I have to go through pages and pages and pages of accounts, make sure everything's in the right show, in the right department within the right show, and then reconcile. But at the same time, I've got the associate producers here at Imagine shouting at me needing the accounts, sorry, the budgets for this year's shows. So I can't give them the budgets for this year's shows till we've reconciled last year's shows. Yeah. And so March for me is always a really tricky month because I'm trying to budget whilst reconciling and that, and it's never particularly easy. We have a, a fabulous team of accounts here, Joe and Sarah, who look after our accounts, who spend hours and hours and hours piling over everything. Then I have to get all the reports. I then have to annotate them all and then I give them back to Joe and Sarah where they update them all and then we keep that process going throughout the whole of March. I'm hoping by the time we reach the end of financial year, which will be the 31st of March, we should be pretty locked in with the reconciliations Meanwhile, I've given version one of the budgets to the associate <laughs> producers and then I'll lock in the budgets on the 1st of April once we've gone past that. So, yeah, I'm I'm riding a big seesaw at the minute, Martin, of, of people wanting information from me, but me wanting information from other people. So, yeah, it's busy. Turnover doesn't mean profit. Let's make that clear. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> however, Steve, you know, these are still challenging times in terms of production costs, for instance. They're rising all the time, aren't they? And yet, for obvious reasons, ticket prices can't. And that's the dilemma of not just our business, but all businesses across the UK. We're faced with a real challenge in terms of cost. Prices are rising. There's instability in energy. That affects the cost of raw materials to build sets. Rightly so, there's a demand for increases in subsistence payments, because that's an area that I think we all agree is is one of the hardest ones to tackle in our industry. The, the shortage of theatre accommodation, the shortage of digs is a real problem, not just for pantomime producers, but for the entire touring community in the UK. So we're looking at ways of supporting that. There's obviously negotiations that go on between unions and uh, representatives of the industry. And those are going on at the moment. So there are certain questions that we don't yet know the answers to. But what I think we are aware of is that ticket pricing and the the squeeze on customer spend is real. It's Mm. out there. It's happening now. And we can't take it for granted that our customers can afford significantly higher ticket prices. And we're all locked in this world that we, I think we saw last year, particularly where we put tickets on sale at the back end of 2021 for productions in Christmas 2022. And we're all aware of the pressures that appeared last year on people's spend. You know, inflation was very high. Energy costs were soaring and people were struggling to pay mm. their way. And and we aren't able to increase the ticket prices once we've announced them. That, that's what they are. So we were facing increased costs but our our income was limited by the cost and the prices that we'd put on the tickets on sale. So we're looking at strategies this year to try and kind of even that out. We're looking at ways with theatres to allow the customer to spread their payments. We're looking at ways internally where we can perhaps save some money by uh, looking at ways of recruiting locally to venues, which we've had a bit of experience in on the last couple of years where we've been forced to do that, and actually it's been very successful. So I think there are lots of ways that we can kind of, as all businesses, look at controlling our costs while supporting the customer and encouraging people to still come to the pantomime without burning a hole in their pocket. So there is a risk, of course, should you increase the the ticket prices, 10, 20%, whatever it needs to be, 
in that it wouldn't necessarily make the money that you need because you may be playing to half empty houses. That's it. It's always that fine balance that we're trying to meet between keeping it really affordable for the audience, which is important, particularly at Christmas, where not all of our income comes at Christmas. How do we keep it affordable and allow families to do other things that they may want to do as well versus, as Steve touched upon, the spiralling costs that we're facing? We know we've got spiralling transportation costs, we've got spiralling energy costs, we've got increased salary costs we're facing with the ongoing negotiations with equity, but also there's Beck too and there's the Musicians Union that we have to think about. Um, there is the cost of materials, just buying material to make costumes, that cost has doubled in the last couple of years. So what would have been a costume that might cost £200 to make now costs £400 mm. to make. And so we're facing this constant battle of how do we keep the shows affordable but yet keep the production values where they need to be yet also ensure that the theatres get the return that they need from the shows as well because there's a danger if the theatre ticket prices go up too high they may not see the secondary spend in the venue people may not buy drinks or sweets or programs and all of that is critical to the venue too so we've touched upon this before but it's a fine balance that we're walking and we often hear oh put ticket prices up yeah, we put ticket prices up, but we haven't sometimes gone far enough. And it, it's just a constant squeeze that everybody's facing. But, you know, we have to be innovative in these situations. You have to explore other ways and other resources and other routes. Some of the venues will even see ticket prices have gone down on certain performances because we were really passionate about trying, if we could, to either maintain some ticket prices the same or even bring a few down. So every venue has got its own unique situation to its ticket pricing and mm. and to its needs some people who aren't involved in the industry might say well you could cut your costs don't have such a big cast you know don't have a lavish set don't do this and of course you're underselling the audience and not getting what they're paying for then the government have been supportive to the industry as much as they can be since covid but that support may not last forever yeah the government i have to say a big shout out to the government We've all touched upon the fact that there was fantastic CRF support, cultural recovery fund support for the industry during COVID. And Imagine is hugely grateful to the support that we received. We would really have struggled to survive without the cultural recovery fund. So yes, we've had help there. And then there's also something called the theatre tax relief, which is an offset against corporation tax, um, which we receive. And they've uplifted that percentage during the recovery period. But when that help disappears, which it naturally will, the only place we can go to start to recoup the additional cost is to put ticket prices up. What do you do? Because we are we are a family ourselves too. I think behind all of this, it's useful to remind people that Steve and I are married. We have a child. We have a home. We face exactly the same pressures that everybody else faces. So we acutely understand the need to not put prices up. But at the same time, with our imagine owners heads on we know why we have to put prices up and that's the same for every um, producer across the land we're all in that same challenging environment right now okay let's look optimistically then to the start of the new financial year april up until christmas steve um, where are you at now in terms of the productions and so on we know what productions are going into which venue we know the scale that those productions will be and we've got a clear idea of what 
our needs will be for the season in terms of investment with the productions that we will need to invest in where we need to uh, enhance or add new scenery new costumes new special effects looking at getting designers on board where those elements need uh, a design so we're starting the process of you know planning and budgeting for these new builds and we're also starting to look at key staffing key creatives key writers directors musical directors production management company stage management and we're also looking at key casting members where we need some profile casting we're, we're doing a lot of work on that and where we have our core performers who we like to uh, book to return negotiating and doing the deals with their agents to secure them so that we can announce early and uh, reassure customers who's coming to their panto because customers like to know where the the, uh, the reasons why they go to their local theatres are still going to be in place. And a lot of that is down to who's going to be in it. Returning dames, returning comics. People see it very much as their panto and they like that sense of ownership and they like to know that their money is being spent on a production that they know they will enjoy. And again, we've spoken in previous episodes about the deadlines coming all the way through the year. That may be um, the photo shoots and so on. But even early on, you, you've got deadlines for casting because obviously you have to get audition dates in. Uh, you have to get junior ensemble audition days in as well. So those deadlines are already starting to approach. They are. We're doing a lot of work now in getting preparation in done for scheduling of junior ensemble they all need to be licensed so the paperwork and the, the processes that that entails has already started so there are dates that are immovable and clearly in the world that we work in the first night is immovable that's where everything has to be lined up for so from that we work back through the year and deadlines are marked into the calendar and people are working towards those so yes we're already uh, you know halfway through the process of delivering those productions financially in terms of the budget for these shows again it's early days Sarah but it's a bit of a juggling act isn't it there are so many different elements that you have to juggle you may give a venue a particular amount of money to spend but that may be spent in all sorts of different ways depending on the casting you know the sets and so on it is absolutely we have each show has a pot of money and you can spend that pot of money in any way that you wish and that's what we also sit down and juggle how many cast members special effects how many backstage crew how many in the band um all of these kind of things vary from venue to venue, sometimes because of dressing room space, stage space, space in the pit, um, number of quick changes. There's all sorts of things we have to factor in that decide how to spend the budget. But we also, at this time of year, have got our initial quotes for transport. So we've been to transportation companies for the lorries and asked for transport quotes. We don't know whether they're accurate, though, because we don't know whether the cost of fuel is going to rocket like it did a couple of years ago when we saw the price of diesel go well over £2 a litre. Well, they're quoting on £1.65 or £1.60 a litre. Suddenly we might see those costs escalate. We don't know. So, yeah, the, the thing about a budget is, particularly on a business like this, is, is you set your budget on how much you want to spend on each show, but it will ebb and flow through the year as we change our thought processes or, or something highlights that we might need to do differently and so the budgets you see in April will often be very different to the budgets that we are finally working with in September October time and every month there's ongoing meetings so I have a meeting the first week of every month for me is literally budget meetings and it's just locked in as we go through everything we look at sales we look at marketing we look at um, just everything about every show and we individually dissect each show once a month um, so, yeah, it, it keeps us on our toes. How much of this is speculation, I guess? Do you speculate at all on projected ticket sales? Yeah, you have to speculate on that. So you have to take into account 
how it how the shows performed um, in the previous year. Some of them may have sold very well. Some of them may not have had such strong sales. You have to project where you think the following year is going to go. Because, of course, each title has a variation of popularity too. There are some which are very popular at box office, some which are not so popular, but you have to go through the full cycle. We have to look at the percentage we've lifted the ticket prices by. We have to look at whether the venues have increased their levies or not. Because some venues have lifted their levies this year. They've lifted their booking fees, which come off the top before the producers share. Also, last year, because we were still at the end of the coronavirus arrangements, we were actually selling tickets at variable VAT rates, depending upon when people bought their tickets. So last year's Panto, we saw some tickets being sold at 12.5% VAT and some being sold at 20% VAT. And that has a variable, whereas this year everything's on 20% VAT. So the potential income has dropped because the amount of VAT coming off the top is greater. And it's it's all of these kinds of things that people don't necessarily realise we're dealing with. Credit card commission rates sometimes are going up. All of these kind of things come off the top and affect the producer's share and affect the theatre's share too. So, it, yeah, lots of things that vary throughout the year. Isn't it funny how things never come down? They all seem to go up, don't they? You know, Can you imagine <laughs> what would happen if VAT was suddenly dropped, for instance? Well, this is, this is an interesting one. We touched upon what we were talking to the government about. The government have been fantastically supportive, but there is an appeal at the moment to say to the government please can you continue to help entertainment and theatre in general that's across the whole board could you consider bringing the VAT rate down on tickets that would really assist everybody or these kinds of so so yeah it would be wonderful if it came down but no you're right it normally goes up (laughs) (laughs) yeah and, and as you said so many things can change and in terms of looking at the budgets every other season would have been Let's look at last season. Let's see how it might affect this. But last season was so weird, wasn't it, in terms of coming out of COVID and people buying tickets at the very late 11th hour, for instance. It's really difficult to gauge from that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the team here will laugh at me because I'm a bit of a data girl and I do like a bit of data. And I do believe... I hadn't noticed at all. Mm. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I like a bit of Excel, all right. I'm a bit of an Excel queen. Um, But... I've tracked sales in some of our venues for 10 or 15 years. We've known the sales pattern like the back of our hand. We know when to do certain things. And then COVID threw all that in the air. 2020, obviously, we didn't have a panto season. 2021, as we've described, it was the panto season from hell. For so many reasons, so much illness, so much closure, booking patterns all over the place, finances all over the place. So the first real season back after COVID was this year just gone. And when you plot... 2022 sales against all of the sales curves you've got going right the way back it look 2022 looks nothing like mm. any other year the sales came as you rightly say martin unbelievably late but when they came they came in bucket loads but they came so late it was quite frightening we at one point we thought oh my gosh what have we done this is a nightmare and then suddenly the sales went so everything we know about sales patterns and everything we know about marketing last year just was just changed completely so this year you're faced with the dilemma of are we going to see another 2022 with late sales or are we going to start to see a move back to the kind of patterns we saw in 2019 i don't think any of us know right now i don't think any of us have got any comprehension of what's coming so the whole thing's speculation then it really is and i think it's comforting to talk to other producers both in panto and in the rest of the industry to find out how they have uh, witnessed last autumn, and they all report the same. Mm. And I think we are conditioned now as a nation to be last minute. 
we will be last minute because we have access to data on our fingertips with our phones we can immediately see what bookings are like for shows we can make last minute decisions we're governed very much by immediate marketing when you walk around and you suddenly get a message on your phone or you suddenly see an advert about something you've been talking about 20 minutes earlier we are being steered down a uh, immediate decision making basis and we are no longer looking at planning and a lot of the problems that we have encountered is literally projecting as Sarah was saying where will these sales get to and it becomes seat of the pants as a producer you have to have uh, uh, balls of steel for want of a better word because it is a real nerve-wracking ride you are literally going we need to gear our campaigns we need to gear our strategies around this new world that we're living in which is last minute okay you've talked about staffing casting and so on artistically in terms of the next season where are we with scripts and so on? Well, we've got our writers lined up now and we're about to start getting the uh, synopses and first drafts in. That really gives us the catalyst for the investment in certain areas of the show. We know what we would like these shows to do and we give our writing team briefs on what we need the show to do. Scale of the production, as Sarah said, things like audience size and how much the show can earn will also dictate what we can spend on it. And that then creates the kind of template for our investment. We ask for, you know, we, we hopefully have our first draft of scripts in by May so that we can do, you know, read-throughs, table reads, get our heads around whether those shows are going to be able to deliver the needs of the client, ultimately the theatre and the audience, and whether any changes are made. So, yeah, quite exciting. So the last thing you need is Eric writing a crowd scene of 200 in. Yeah, we've had to tell him just to mind that. <laughs> you know, we all like a few hundred people on stage because they sell tickets. But oh, that's a squeeze. <laughs> OK, what's the next deadline then in terms of everything production-wise? What's the next step? So the next step is to get a bit more detail into Sarah's budgeting, the AP's work alongside you know, the first draft of budgets, to see where we think there are anomalies, where things are perhaps over-budgeted, where things are under-budgeted, and how we can tighten those up, and getting designs in from designers who are designing pieces so that we can then get accurate costing on that. So I think you know the first draft of script in May and the, and the bringing together of those initial costings is the obstacle uh, that we have to get past, and that's where we're all focused now. Get the information there, then work out what we need to do and then step over the obstacle of budget because we know that we can make it work. And, and finally, what about here at headquarters, Sarah? Because, I mean, some of your staff have been particularly productive since COVID and um, you may have to put a crash in here sooner or later. A couple of people have been on maternity <laughs> leave. In terms of the staffing, where are you and, and what's happening here? Yeah, we've had a couple of maternity leavers. Yes, it's lovely. We welcomed Dawn back um, last week from her maternity leave with the gorgeous Elijah, which is lovely to have her back. Um, Roz is due back with us in the next couple of months with her beautiful Theo and Ava twins, um, which is lovely. And it's lovely to feel the Imagine family growing. We are fully staffed here at Imagine HQ now, which is the first time really since the pandemic hit us um, when we did all have to um, disappear off on furlough and things like that. So it's really nice to have the team back up to full speed. Some fantastic new additions in the wardrobe team across the whole company. But yeah, it, we're in a good place. As I've said to you before, we're really blessed to have a fantastic team of colleagues, but they're not just colleagues, they're friends. Mm -hmm. And each of them is just a great knowledge of theatre in their own right, an expert in their own field. And um, as a team, they create really wonderful things. And as always, as we've said before, you're bursting at the seams. Uh, this this building is is almost crammed to what well, it is crammed to the hilt. Oh yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> it's quite full. Um, Steve will often say there's room in the in the air to get things in the air, and you often find an elephant hanging in the air yeah. as you're walking in, or you'll find costume dame costumes particularly live up in the rafters of the roof because they are able to be pulled up into the onto the rafters. Um, yeah, we are literally full. If anybody's ever been in here, they will be able to say. There's not a millimetre of spare room in this building. So much so, we've just had to take on another store off-site just to get things out. It's yeah. just how it is. I was going to say watch this space, but there is no space to watch. That space. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for talking to me. That's about it for now. As I said at the beginning of the episode, there are many more fabulous guests still to come. In the next few episodes, we're going to be taking a look at the UK Pantomime Association and their awards ceremony, and also discussing the pantomime season from the venue manager's point of view. So make sure you join me next time for episode 49. Thank you for listening to the latest edition of Just Imagine, the podcast series from Imagine Theatre. And you can find out more by going to www.imagintheatre.co.uk.